Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. It's Monday. Welcome into the Illini Inquirer podcast. And Monday means it's time for Jay Layman, the All-American Illini linebacker. And Jay, for the first time in a month, we got a win to talk about. I don't know how much different this team looked like than the previous couple weeks, but it resulted in a win 24-14 over Charlotte. Get a little couple good vibes in here. But uh, as you told me coming into this podcast, like, Brett Bielma's making sure they're not feeling too good after this. I think that was a big takeaway, right? I mean, I listened to his podcast and uh, not his podcast, excuse me, his his uh, post game press conference, and you could just tell to him and his mind where he's been as a coach. This is nothing. I mean, it was a game you have to win because it's a Group of Five team on your home turf, which I, I know we didn't necessarily get the job knowing to TSA, but it's like as I came here to win Big Ten games, and uh, he's going to get his wish coming up here because he's got. You know, the rest of the game, the games are Big Ten games. And so I was really impressed by his demeanor. It wasn't like we were celebrating some huge win. Uh, we got a win. And um, he knows there's still a lot to be left to work on as well. Yeah, Jay, uh, we'll get into a Chase Brown's near historic day. Uh, good day for the offensive line. Great second half for the defense. Uh, continued quarterback issues. And, of course, we'll look forward to Wisconsin, a team that seems – a little bit uh, vulnerable. But first of all, let's get to what a day for the run game. We knew they were going to run the dang football, and they did. They did it effectively. And uh, I think this week was a reminder of just how good Chase Brown is and just how good of a duo he and Josh McCray could be for the next couple of years. Yeah. So a couple of great things happened. One, it's just very evident to me that we have very few athletes like Chase Brown on the football field, right? I mean, it's like a different gear. It's like I'm watching a SEC East team when I watch him have the ball, right? Like you watch those skilled guys in the SEC East, you're like, wow. You know, when, when like when like when like Alabama had like Waddle and Ruggs and Devontae Smith, you're like, dude, they I'm not comparing Chase Brown to that, but he definitely has a different gear. No, Jay, Jay, it's like Bears fans watching Justin Fields being like, oh, quarterbacks can do that. Like I, I didn't no, know that it, was legal. Right. I mean, it's like it it, it it totally gets you out of there. And I mean, I think. Obviously, the 80-yard run was special, I think, and, and, and we'll get to go over some of that. We look at some of the plays, but his ability to erase angles, right? I mean, there's three or four guys that had angles. Even Brett mentioned that and do that. But also make people miss in space, but not just space, but in tight windows. Like, there's some of his best runs are – there's penetration. He has to make a drastic cut. Usually when you make a drastic cut as a running back before the line of scrimmage, it's a no gain but he has the acceleration and wiggle in the hole to make one or two guys miss and get the first down. Jay, what do you mean by erasing angles? Yeah, racing angles. So as a defender, I'm always taught to attack the near hip of the football, meaning that um, I always want to take an angle in which it does not allow the running back to cut back to the middle of the field, but that I actually tackle him, you know, 
at an angle. He's running up the field and I'm tackling him. So he doesn't, he can't cut back, but I make the play on him. And the slower you are, the more drastic angle you have to decide to take big angles, right? Like, Oh, I'm like, you know, I had my Pythagorean theorem out, right. I got my math down and I was like, okay, right angle for this. And, you know, and, and I would run, chase him down uh, the flatter angle. You can take the fast you are, but some of those defensive backs took an angle. And what I mean is they had an angle. If you watch that play, when we look at, it, you'll see it. You would say, if you stop the tape seven yards into that run, eight yards in that run, 15, into that, that three defenders have an angle. Like, Hey, if these two guys are equal speed, this guy is going to catch this guy. Well, what, what we saw was they didn't catch him and that their angles fell short and he can erase angles. And so uh, as a defender, it really messes with your head when a guy can just erase your angle because now I'm going to have to take a more drastic angle, uh, meaning more downfield, and now he can cut back easier. So it, it makes it difficult for you. His ability to make people miss in tight windows, though, he, he's got strength as well. Uh, I think there's one thing to improve on, and we've seen this, uh, and, and Brett mentioned it, is, is just getting the patience of some of those zone reads. He's like, like, he hits the hole, and sometimes you'll just see somebody knife his legs out, and you know it's like, oh, man, he looked like he had something that's like a two-yard game, right? It's like the time he ran into Doug Kramer. Like Doug Kramer was out there blocking and he didn't use the right. ball. Well, that, and that, that was, if he could have that one back, you know, as far as that was actually set up really well. Kramer sealed off two guys to one side. He just made the wrong read. He, I would say that Josh McCray has better vision at this point right now than Chase Brown. That doesn't make, mean he's a better player. And I also think on a side note, what a great game and great scenario to have a fumble inside the five if you're Josh McCray. I'm serious, guys. Like, that could have been the difference in a Big Ten game. We had more talent to overcome them. But he talked, like, as a young player, and Brett mentioned this in the post-conference, like, there's a mental aspect to that. Hadn't fumbled all year. uh, Fumbles, you know, near the goal line. And and that takes a toll on a guy. And they kind of let him watch a little bit because Chase got going. And it's great to have that competition. Like he hates it because he's like, man, I should be out there. But Chase got going. And, you know, when you drop the ball on the ground, teams don't like that. But but Chase Brown really was the star of the game. Uh, and we just see that he's just a different athlete than we have on the football field. Yeah. And up front, I want to give a little credit. I mean, Illinois offensive line, you know, with a couple of guys that have a chance to at least be in training camps next year, Jay. Um, they got to dominate against an undersized Charlotte uh, front, right? But they did. Uh, I thought, you know, Julian Pearl had some moments that that he really flashes. Alex Pilstrom, I thought I probably had his best game. Now we'll see if he can translate it to Big Ten play, right? But uh, but Darian Lowe, Alex Bocheski, Doug Kramer, they looked looked really good, uh, I thought. So what did you see up front? Yeah, so, I mean, the biggest thing, if we're going to run the zone scheme, which we are a zone team, inside and outside zone, and and what I'm there's two kinds of schemes for people. There's basically the zone scheme, and then there's something called the gaps scheme. A a gap scheme is basically um, pins and pulls. So you're going to have linemen block down and guards pull around. Um, You know, the old power plays, the lead plays, uh, the counter plays. some a lot of this, and sometimes you'll see teams run both, right? Um, there, there are zone, there are teams out of the shotgun that love to pull guys around, right? Uh, we saw that with Ohio State and Ezekiel Elliott all the time. They pulled two, two linemen. We pulled a lot of linemen, uh, when we played Illinois. We also ran zone and whatnot and zone read, but for the most part, we're a zone team, inside zone team. And what that means is that 
you're going to have to have your lineman be able to reach block. And when you reach block, my reach block basically means if I'm the, if I'm the center uh, and Doug Kramer's got a guy on his left shoulder, uh, the guy that the nose tackle, as Doug, as Doug Kramer is the center, the play's running to the left. I've got to reach him. I mean, I've got to get my helmet to his outside ear hole of his helmet, right? And reach him, if you can visualize that. Now, the problem with reach blocks is I'm already out leveraged from the jump by the defender's alignment, okay? So as I reach and I run sideways to reach, I'm always weaker as a defender, as an offensive player, as I'm going sideways, if I'm going straight forward, right? This is a simple thing. Like think, think about a train. Is it easier to, you know, uh, or something lighter than a train? If a train's just parked on there and you go push up against the train, you could probably push the train over with a couple guys, but a couple guys could not stop a freight train going like that. Right. And that's what it is. If you can get a, if you can get a lineman, you know, while he's reaching, uh, he's much weaker. And what happens is, and we've seen this a couple of times, like, why are we getting negative plays, right? And, and on an inside zone team or an outside zone team, you'll get negative plays when your linemen are not strong enough to re- to stay strong during their reach. And it allows penetration. What we saw from Kramer, what we saw from some of the veterans, and especially Julian Pearl, who I was watching the game in East Lansing hotel room texting you, hey, Julian Pearl's, you were saying Julian Pearl's a beast. I think Pearl's a great player, going to be a really good player. And um, what we saw was them able to really, what I call post their outside hand. So they're able to push the shoulder back of the defender, get their inside hand in there and then get their head over to uh, the right side ear hole. If you're just listening on podcasts, that'll be tough. You need to watch the Zoom call to get all my motions. But, but what I'm saying is it's hard to teach linemen how to reach and not give penetration. That is the whole synopsis of what I'm trying to say. And what I thought they did a good job of doing is, is letting them, uh, is getting that leverage. And that's why those blocks take longer to occur than say a gap scheme where it's down block, pull around, right? The zone, I've got to reach, I've got to stretch to get that guy, keep a hand on him. And whether that guy picks to go on the inside of me or the outside of me, my back's got to be good enough to read where that defensive line fits in. And there is no, a lot of it is not a planned hole on his own play. It's just wherever it opens up. And that's where the vision and the patience that we saw with Josh McCray work really well against Purdue. What we saw with Chase Brown, he played with a little more patience, but there was more immediate holes because we were reaching linemen quicker. Wow, that was a mouthful. Lots of in-depth analysis right there for lineman play, but it makes a difference to learn how to reach block correctly. That's uh, great football 101 is what people <laughs> likes to say, because people don't uh, know probably enough about that. And I need reminders of it, too. Um, but I, I guess with that offensive line, you expect that against Charlotte. Jay, right. they have been able to run the football against some Big Ten opponents, uh, despite Wisconsin's you know, struggles here this season. This is a whole new test sure. uh, for Illinois and its offensive line. Do you think this run game like what can it have success against the defense? like Wisconsin or defense like Penn State coming up? Well, I, t- I tell you, what, one thing about a run game is it's like a marriage. you got to be committed, right? It ain't going to work unless you're committed, right? You've got to be committed to the run game. Now, whether we're committed out of just we can do nothing else or whether we really want to run the football is yet to be seen, right? But I think if you look at Tony Peterson's history and Brett Bielema's history and how people win in the Big Ten West – 
they want to be committed to the run game. They want to get to that 40 carries a game because that's going to chew up clock. You're going to win time of possession and limit possessions for the other team's offense. Now, that being said, can we run against Wisconsin? If you look prior to this season, as far as overall total defensive numbers and rush defensive numbers, there's really only been one defense that's been better than Wisconsin over the last five, six years since Dave Aranda arrived there with Gary Anderson in 2013. Uh, that's seven or eight years now, and that's been Alabama. I mean, you look at the numbers, they have had a very, very stout run defense. Now, Aranda brought the 3-4, uh, or a 30 front, he called it. Obviously, Justin Wilcox had a season, and, and now Jim Leonard has been the guy there for, for quite some time. And, and they run similar stuff. And uh, I think what it really tests you in is – uh, I think it's advantageous, number one, for a zone team because they move a lot of different people around. When I'm a zone blocking team, it doesn't matter what you're doing moving around. I got the guy in my zone, right? Where in a gap scheme or a man scheme, what's another word for gap scheme, uh, you kind of have a man to block. And so I do think the zone scheme is 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 good. I think what where, where we've struggled and where Wisconsin has dominated uh, not just us, but other teams, is that outside linebacker position. They've had some special players, T.J. Watt probably being the most famous, but uh, Zach Bond and, and Vince Beagle. And they've, had, they've had guys, right, I mean, uh, that, that have been really tough at setting an edge, number one, and getting penetration, creating negative plays, and, of course, pass rush. And I think that's my big question is can we block the edge? Because that's always been a difficult part when you play Wisconsin – they always keep stuff inside and in front. Great We're getting stuff. real big on the defensive and offensive line right now, guys. This is, this is my kind of talk, Jay. Um, you know, this we'll talk about the quarterback here. Yeah. Uh, I want to get into Ryan Walters a little bit. I thought a great second half from that group. Uh, but let's take a quick break, and we'll, we'll discuss the remaining huge issue uh, for Illinois football next. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds you tell progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law all right, Jay, um, you expected or you would have put out Arthur Sikowski. I would have put out Arthur Sikowski. And uh, I, don't, I don't think either of us got changed very much with, with Brandon Peters' latest right. start. 10 to 19, 78 yards, just 178 yards passing the last two games. Um, and he threw a touchdown. I, I don't know if it was the right read or the right play, but he, he credit to Brandon darted it in there and Daniel Barker made a heck of a catch. Right. I didn't turn the ball over, which I think is a big reason why he's right. playing, but there are just, I mean, I'm watching this Jay and I'm not a football expert like you, but there's just reads he's not making 
right, what are you seeing from, from Brandon Peters right now? Yeah, I, you know, really, I think it's a lack of confidence. I think he's lost his confidence. Uh, if I, if I, it, it, he looks like a player. Um, I think Brandon's a good guy, so it's not knocking on him. I just think he doesn't have much confidence since he got hurt in, in the last two two weeks. You know, and and an unconfident quarterback can also look like he doesn't know what he's doing. Uh, you know, so you're like, well, that guy's wide open. I mean, there were a couple instances just off the top of my head, you know, where Isaiah Williams is wide open and he's locked in for some reason on a tight end or Luke Ford in the flat. Where it's, I'm glad he's looking for Luke Ford. I'm glad he's looking for DJ Barker. Also, th- there was one play he tried to fire it in there before the DJ Parker touchdown pass that literally they've sent Williams in motion. He's standing in the flat, just waiting to get the ball. Is where it's where you want him to get the ball. Nobody's on him. And so one, it looks to me that it's not confident, just bottom line. Not number two. Jay, do you think he, he's not confident in himself or the things around him? Or is it a little bit of both? I, I think I think number one, he spooked a little bit about protection. Listen, he got hurt and he's been hit. And we can see that because he's not stepping up. He's doing a blind turn and then scrambles to his left. Sometimes when guys are not necessarily right by him. So he seems to be getting out of the pocket soon, right? Which if a quarterback's internal clock, okay, um, gets sped up in his brain, what we end up having is we end up having the your quarterback not being able to go through all his progressions, right? Because he's like, instead of, instead of one Mississippi, two Mississippi, he's on the apple count, one apple, two apple, three apple. And it's a little faster, right? That's how I used to rush back in backyard ball with the apple count. And so he's on apples instead of Mississippi's <laughs> and that's getting him. He's not able to go through, you know, one, two, three, four progressions. And he's rolling out. He's rolling out of the, uh, uh, of the pocket soon. And he, uh, he rolls to his left, which is strange for a right-handed quarterback, he'll do a blind roll. And whenever you take your eyes off of, um, you know, the receivers and I, and I do a blind turn, now now I got to find the receivers all over again. And so um, that's been difficult. One thing I'm trying to track too is does he do better under center as opposed to shotgun? I I don't know. Uh, So I'm trying to track that because the great thing about if I'm under center, I can keep my eyes. If it's not play action on the defensive backfield the whole time. Where if I'm on shotgun, I've got to go down to catch the snap, and then I look up. So I've been trying to, to look at it. what is he looking at. And at the end of the day, though, I think it's a lack of confidence. His internal timer has sped up, and he can't get through all his progressions. And, and the last thing, the most important thing that I always say for a quarterback is accuracy. Um, you know, Drew Brees never had the strongest arm, but he was always a perennial top three, top five quarterback in the NFL because he always put the ball in the money, right? Um, I mean – he puts the ball on the numbers, Drew Brees. We haven't seen that kind of accuracy with Peters. It's just not accurate. Another missed deep ball. For some reason, we can't get Peters to throw the ball as a post route to the grass. He seems to always throw it up the hash, which lets the defender gain ground on the receiver. We are, we've had issues on slant routes. If you're going to run a slant route, listen, it's got to be on the numbers. Because if I, if on a slant route, if I'm going to throw it uh, too far forward, I leave my guy out to dry. Okay. If I'm going to throw it behind him, it's going to be in the defender's lap because he's going to be in a trail position. All those different things. I'm like, man, we need to be better at that stuff. Now, is it hard because you have people bearing down on you? Yes, we had better protection this week. Another long-winded answer. 
Yeah. And at the end of the day, it is a tough job. Quarterback is a tough job. I don't think we expect them to see everything that's happening on the field at once, but it's happening too often. Right. And then the deep balls are not getting converted, uh, as you said. But Illinois continues to go with him, Jay. Uh, and, you know, we can ask Brett Bioma. I think taking care of the ball is very important to them. But Brett's, you know, I think publicly trying to get, you know, um, confidence in Brandon. We haven't talked to Brandon in three weeks, us in the media. So I think that's part of trying to shield him a little bit from that. Um, but he's trying to build up his confidence and he's saying, Hey, we're seeing a little bit of strides, but we're also hearing he's getting after Brandon. There was one instance on the sideline. I know he got after Brandon at one point. So what, what do you think Illinois, their management of this, uh, of this yeah. quarterback situation, why they haven't gone to Archer Sikowski, who let's be honest, Put the ball in, in danger, I think, more than Brandon Peters did. Yeah, that that that's true. I mean, let Sitkowski could have had three or four more picks than he had. I mean, the yeah. guy led the country and dropped picks, right? I mean, so I mean the, the numbers don't exactly tell the whole story. You got to watch the tape. Um, I, I think it was Brett that mentioned in what I love about Brett's press conferences, other than uh that's different than previous coaches, is he gives us some insight on how he coaches players differently. Yeah. Um, and how he said, I I think and I'm paraphrasing, I, I coached Brandon aggressively the last two weeks. Um, that's football coach ease for basically saying I was really hard on him. I busted on him. You know, I, I, I wanted, I demand more. I want more out of our quarterback. But he also makes a good point and says, listen, if I don't have faith in the quarterback and I'm pulling the quarterback, you know, then nobody's going to have faith in him. So I, I like that he's backing up. It's a, a definitely a different style than Jeff Brown, which is like, I'm going to go with the hot hand, right? Uh, with O'Connell or, or Plummer. And it seems like those offensive-minded guys, Steve Spurrier and Brom, are, are, are way shorter leashed on their quarterbacks than a defensive guy. I'll, I'll, I'll give Brom this, though. It got him a win. It got, it got, him, a, win. It got him a win, right? And, and, and we thought last week, and you mentioned, I think it was you that said, hey, whoever made the quarterback switch would probably get the spark, right? And so, you know, um, I, there's absolutely no question – for Illinois to win any Big Ten games, any, they need more production out of the quarterback. I, you, you just can't have under 100 yards passing as a quarterback in a game. Uh, you just need more production. Brandon Peters has to play better. Does he need help? Yes. But I actually thought, you know, some of the routes they, they did were actually there to help him. Yep. And, and, and he didn't execute. Like, I, I actually like – I've seen a couple plays that Tony Peterson called. I know he's had his criticism. Right. That have been open. We've no, seen that. I said after the game, Jay, I said, I thought Tony Peterson had a good game. I mean, they were schemed up, wide receivers open, and his quarterback just didn't make the play. I, I, I mean, if I'm Tony Peterson, I've got to just be watching the film on Sunday, being like, I mean, he's a veteran coach. He's not saying this, but saying, man, we have all the plays right there, and the guys are open. But whether it's protection in the Maryland game, when guys are running on the field wide open, or whether it's just not seeing the play – they're not getting it up. But one thing they are doing and they want to hang their hat on is they're running the football. And it hasn't just been against one team. I mean, they've run the football pretty consistently against everybody except Virginia. And Virginia, they had some moments where they ran the football well. So uh, this is an identity they can build around. All right, defensively, Jay, uh, Chris Reynolds, I got to give him tip of the cap. Uh, he just made some plays. I thought Illinois' front got some pressure most of the day. Right. They, they shut down the Charlotte run game, which wasn't very good. Um, and – you know, they got burned a couple of times in the first half, but they, they really played better in the second half. This is three straight weeks uh, where Ryan Walters 
defense has held opponents under 20 or fewer points, 47 points over the last three weeks. I know it's Charlotte, but Charlotte did put up a lot of points against the Duke team. Uh, they had chances to put up more points against Illinois. Um, is this just continued growth? No, I mean, listen, when I played, the goal was if you keep them under 17 points, you're going to win. Now it's basically, you had a touchdown. You keep under 24 points, you're going to have a good chance to win. What he's doing right now in, in, a, in a modern college football era against, I would say, three pretty good offenses. Like the last three offenses are, are, are really good. Um, uh, even Charlotte. And even the Charlotte, the, like the, the drive at the end of the, end of the half, uh, those guys weren't wide open. Those were some tremendous catches by some of, you know, the defensive uh, the against our defensive backs, but by, by, by DeBose and the Charlotte receivers. So um, one, I just think he's doing a tremendous job. Uh, I think they've done a great job also of getting some depth. I mean, there used to be no depth. I and mean, we've, we've had some really good depth to pray, to play defense. Well, you have got to have some guys that can step in for you, especially in the D line. Uh, and especially defensive back where we've always seemed to get banged up at DB and we've seen guys, they, they haven't played perfect. You know, Taz Nicholson doesn't play perfect. Uh, Quan Martin doesn't play perfect. Uh, Tony Adams has had his moments as we know, but uh, Sydney's had his moments, but what we've seen is we've seen them play more physical. We've seen Kirby Joseph, I think take really big, big leaps and bounds the last two weeks as a football player. He was mostly a special teamer and, and actually was very productive on special teams. Um, I'm just really, I think Ryan Walters and, and you heard it in Brett's press. Conference, he's a star. Um, Missouri we haven't had defense played. We haven't had defense played like this in a decade. Yeah. And James misses him a lot. What now? Missouri misses him a lot right now. Oh my gosh. Right. They're, 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 they're struggling. Right. Um, but I just, I really believe that Ryan Walters did a tremendous job in, um, I just, at first, I thought, okay, he's just going to have to scheme everything up every game. And he does to a degree. He did that against Maryland. He schemed it up well. But, but basically, we've seen him run a lot of base defense. Oh, when I say base defense, I mean just their typical 3-4 front. You know, They run some games up front to create pressure. We saw Seth Coleman do that. We saw uh, Carney obviously win some one-on-one matchups. But it's really been base defense. And he hasn't had his number. He hasn't had his Probably, Brett said this too in his press conference, you know, two of the best players, Hanson and Witherspoon. So it's been impressive to me that he's been able to do that without Hanson, who's probably the brains of the defense right now as a player. All right, Jay, before we get out of here, uh, Wisconsin coming in wounded. Now, I think we have to say they've played the toughest schedule in the country so far. All their losses are to ranked opponents. But you kind of look at these two teams, and Illinois is an eight-and-a-half-point underdog, which isn't as Lauren I thought it would be coming into the year. Um, they're kind of similar. They're playing good defense for the most part. We know Jim Leonard's defense is pretty good, uh, but they don't pass the ball well. And Illinois' running game has been e even more effective so far uh, than Wisconsin. So what do you think of the opportunity? What do you think of, of Illinois' chances against the Badgers? Well, I'll tell you what, I, I don't think Illinois, uh, I don't think, excuse me, I don't think Wisconsin is as good as they are in years past. Okay. They don't have a premier running back. Usually there is a premier running back back there. And, and this year I, I don't see it. Okay. Um, Graham Mertz has really been a disappointment. If you look at his production the last six or seven games, even going back to last season. Now I know he was banged up a little bit, correct? Yeah, he, got, uh, he got hurt in that game. Jake Ferguson got hurt in that game too. Their yeah. star tight end. Yeah, you know, and, and, and Ferguson is obviously the guy they look for on third down and in the red zone. 
He's been very productive since he's been there. But I think this game is ultimately, we can talk about the skill guys, it's going to come down to the trenches as a Wisconsin-Illinois game does. Who can block who and who can get off blocks? Um, I think Illinois is going to struggle to run the ball as effectively as they have. Um, I think they'll be able to get enough, but they're going to have to rely on Peters to get some first downs for him. And if I look at this game, the, the you know, the three keys, and, and this is way more evenly matched than, than I thought they would be. Um, but third down, who can get off the field on third down, who can complete on third down red zone, which Illinois has been very good at the red zone. Okay. And the turnover battle. That's going to, going to come down to those. Obviously we've got to stop run, blah, blah, but, but I think it comes down to third down. We've really struggled offensively on third and long. I mean, it's just been tough. Third and four plus. I mean, I think if you look at our numbers, it's really bad, right? Not so much on third and short. Red zone, we've done really well. And turnovers, we've done well. I think that's what this game is going to come down to. I think it's going to be closer than people think. Illinois is not going to get blown out by them. But the turnovers, they can get up on you fast if that defense creates turnovers against Illinois. Uh, Jay, one more before I let you go. Five Big Ten teams in the top 11. No others receiving votes. But, um, boy, it seems like the rest of the country is kind of falling. And Big Ten has these this, this group of five, I guess I can call it, that's that's really emerged with Iowa number three, Penn State four, Ohio State looked like Ohio State last week. Uh, and I think they'll get better and better uh, as they go along. And, hey, Jim Harbaugh, I don't know why Michigan was trying to fire him all those years, but uh, he's done a pretty dang good job there. And Michigan State, one of the surprises of the country so far. Uh, yeah, I mean, one, I think it's good for the conference that it doesn't just seem like it's Ohio State that's just so dominant, okay? Um you know, what's interesting is, you know, the team that beat Ohio State, Oregon lost. And I think that's going to open the door for the first group of five team with Cincinnati beating Notre Dame. That's another that's another thought, but um, to get into the playoffs. But that being said, as I look at the Big Ten Conference, um, one thing that disgusts me is, you know, I went up to Michigan State to do a game. I just see a bunch of Illinois guys that are playing on Michigan State, you know, Peyton Thorne, Matt Allen, Jaden Reed. I mean, there's a, I mean, you go to Iowa's roster, a bunch of Illinois guys. We've got to get our fair share, number one. Um, I think the Iowa Penn state game is a huge game. Um, but, but my money's on Iowa. I really believe that Iowa is the better football team. Um, and the def- defensively, I think they're solid. Although I like Brent Pry a lot, son of a former Illinois coach. Um, gosh, I can't remember what Pry's first name was. His dad's first name was the receiver coach here in 2006, 2007. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think, and Michigan, you know, look at Jim Hallbar's winning percentage. It's actually not that bad at all. It's great. I mean, I mean, compared to Scott Frost, another alumni who is the you know Messiah and stuff like that, and uh, you know, on the other side, Minnesota gets beat by Bowling Green, and, and then they barely beat Purdue. We can beat Minnesota. We can beat. We obviously beat Nebraska. We beat Northwestern. We I think we can beat Wisconsin. We we always do that. What what we could or or what we should have been, but you know, if we were just four and two, you know, we'd be headed to the bowl game, right? Yeah. There's a lot of. Shoulda, woulda, coulda, but someday, my friend. Jay Lamey, you're the goods. Uh, thanks for the lineman chat. That was great, and we'll talk to you next week. Yeah, buddy. Great stuff, as always, from Jay Lehman. Always appreciate his insight. And we're going to get more later in the week. Uh, Jay does a film room breakdown with us, uh, kind of going over some of the key plays. And we're going to break down Brandon Peters extensively. Uh, Just not going to turn it around as quick this week. We had a Zoom issue with sharing screens and all that. Uh, Just didn't uh, show up, so we had some technical issues. But we're going to get that uh, fixed, and we'll uh, have that later on in the week. And if you're not a VIP member and you want access to that, 
J great knowledge. Uh, right now is a great time to sign up. We have a two month for one dollar deal going on at 24/7 Sports, and you can take advantage of it with Alana Inquire. And think about that: the next two months, one dollar, couple cents a day, uh, will get you access to all the basketball recruiting information you need leading up to signing day in uh, November. And of course, basketball or football signing day uh, is in December, so I'll basically take you through that as well through the rest of the football season, and uh, you get all the access to all our breakdowns, all our recruiting information uh, as well. So if you're not a member and you wanted to try, now's a great time, just $1 for the next two months, uh, so give us a try there. Uh, we'll have more coverage. Uh, Illinois going to have their press conference today. I'm recording this right before Brett Bielma, uh, Tony Peterson, and Ryan Walters are set with the media to preview a big game against Wisconsin, homecoming on Saturday. We'll have more coverage throughout the week right here on the Illini Enquirer podcast. And we always appreciate you listening to the Illini Enquirer podcast. You can follow us wherever you get your podcasts, rate us, review us. That always helps us out as well. Until next time, take care of each other, and we'll talk to you next time on the Illini Enquirer podcast.